Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Jonathan All. Coming up, we give a nod to the Isley Brothers. The music group that has several top 10 singles has called the St. Louis area home for some 20 years now. They're getting a star on the St. Louis Walk of Fame on Del Mar Boulevard. But now to a man who has a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, comedian Jay Leno. The former host of The Tonight Show on NBC will be in town next Tuesday for the St. Louis Speaker Series. I spoke with him last week and asked him whether he'll be doing his monologue or something different. You sort of read the room when you get there. It's like anything else. You you have something prepared unless you have something better. You know, I mean, you always want to prepare for every eventuality or every situation, you know. And then I, I enjoy the question and answer stuff because that's almost how you write, you know. It makes you think on your feet and, and uh, come up with interesting ideas. What what kind of questions do you like to answer from from the crowds? I don't know. I like to answer any kind of question. I mean, I like to an, I like to answer any question that gets an interesting response. Um, I mean, the questions you hate are okay. What's the funniest thing you've ever said? Like the funniest thing you've ever said? You know. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, that's like a dumb question. You know, um, the, the, those kind of things are odd because then, of course, this. This tremendous pressure, if it's not the greatest joke ever, people go, well, that's not that funny. <laughs> you know? Well, yeah, it doesn't, comedy sort of happens, it just happens, you know, you can't make it happen right now, you know. Speaking of right now, um, with uh, Netflix, Hulu, streaming, Amazon Prime, um, I'm, I'm wondering your thoughts on what's going to happen to appointment viewing and and are we at a point in society where there will never be a Johnny Carson or a Jay Leno, a thing that so many people watched at the same time and kind of had that collective experience with? Do you think that's dying in, in modern entertainment? Well, I think the collective experience is dying. The only place it isn't dying is in sports, uh, be it a soccer game, a Super Bowl, a World Series, something like that, or possibly an award show or something of that nature, or... God forbid, some sort of calamity, you know, where everybody is focused on the same thing. I, I don't necessarily know whether that's good or bad. I mean, when I was a kid, you were told, here's what the whole country is going to enjoy. If you don't enjoy it, tough luck, you know. Whereas now, you can pretty much watch whenever you want, you know. Uh, I mean, America is changing that way, and I think it's for the good. I mean, when I was a kid... When you went to Vegas, the restaurants were steak, roast beef, chicken, baked potato, big piece of chocolate cake. Thank you. That, 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 those are your food options. You know. Now you've got the Vietnamese and Korean and all the Thai food and Western barbecue and every conceivable kind of thing. So I, 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 think, it, I think it's all good. I'm one of these people that is hopelessly optimistic. I believe engineers will save the world. You know, when I moved to Los Angeles in the 70s, there were 160 days a year they told you, you can't go outside. Or if you do go outside, don't run or exercise because the air is so bad. Well, we don't have those anymore. I mean, the air is still not perfect, but you have probably 10 to 25 more times as many cars as you had back then with probably one-hundredth of the pollution. So to me, that's good. You know, who was it? Malthus said you could only... The world will die because you only feed 10 people on an acre of land. Well, now you can feed 1,000 people on an acre of land. So, I, I mean, I, I think it's it's all good. I'm one of those glass-half-full types. I really do think the world is a better place than it used to be. I mean, people don't drop dead at age 45, although some do, but not like they used to, you know. 
smoking is down, the health things are down, people are getting more health conscious, uh, medicine is getting better. I mean, I, I'm not an idiot. I know it's still terrible for a lot of people, but overall, it's not as bad as it used to be. I, I, I think things are generally getting better. And if you don't think they are, it's probably because you're in the top 1%. But that other lower percentage, I mean, I believe 50 or 80 years ago, 90% of the world was poor, relegated as poor. Now it's probably less than 20% or 10 or 13%. Uh, I mean, there are still hungry people in the world, but not nearly as many hungry people in the world. So, you know, we do tend to focus on the negative a little bit with our news and our information, but there's a lot of good things out there. Speaking of, of negative things, you were on the Today Show not too long ago, and, and you, you talked a little bit about um, a hope that some of the late-night uh, comedians uh, who are active now might be a little more civil. I, I'm wondering if you could expand on that a little bit. Well, I think I got myself in trouble with that one. I, was, I didn't necessarily mean late. I mean, I mean just the whole world. I mean, the whole political spectrum. You know, um, I, I think everybody uses the Ronald Reagan Tip O'Neill analogy. They couldn't disagree more, but they would get together and have a drink. You know, I mean, uh, I have to admit when I watch watching President Obama over the years, I never, and I might be wrong, but I never heard him call anybody racist. He would say, "Well, we have a difference of opinion, and uh, we have to deal with that." And and there would always be the door left open for conciliation. You know. I mean, myself, I don't question anybody's motive. I question their judgment. And when you question their judgment, that's fine. When you question the motive, it becomes something different, you know. Um, so, no, I, 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 have no I, I, I don't have any problem. But I, I wasn't complaining about other late-night hosts. This is one of those things where, uh, you know, you go in the paper and say, what do you think of this? Oh, I think it's good, you know, and then... The headline, Leno blasts, Leno blasts. I didn't blast anybody. I just gave an opinion, you know. I said, it's hard because there's really only one topic for the monologue now, and that's Trump. And everybody has to do sort of a, a different version of the same joke, you know, uh, which is hard to do, you know. I mean, now, if you're a late-night host, you've got to watch all the other late-night hosts to make sure they didn't do the joke you're doing tomorrow night, last Monday or last week, and because it's always on the same subject, you know. Uh, with uh, trying to avoid maybe as pointed as John Oliver was, <laughs> I'm, I'm wondering how much different is everybody doing jokes about Trump now than everybody doing jokes about, you know, uh, Bill Clinton and Monica Lewinsky uh, back when that was kind of the, the, the big issue of the moment? Well, I don't know if it is real. Well, you know, the difference is, I guess, for myself, it's easier to do jokes about people when you kind of like them or don't put it this way, don't hate them. I, I guess that's that's probably what it is. Um, uh, you, you know, the, the Clinton Monica Lewinsky thing. Uh, that was the first time the subject of oral sex, I think, had ever been brought up in public or at least on TV. And of course, the floodgate opens for every conceivable kind of joke you could do about it. Um, but I think the joke there was more about the the practice than the 
than the people involved. But that being said, you know, I'm a Chris Rock said it best. You know, everybody knows a guy like Bill, you know, Bill Clinton. Everybody knows a guy, uh-huh, okay, yeah, you know, he, you know it, it just sort of lent itself more. But, uh, it, but in hindsight, it's probably not that different. I have a question about the craft yeah. of stand-up comedy. Sure. Um, when, when you were uh, coming of age as a comedian, uh, to see stand-up comedy, you had to go to a club or see who got on Carson or maybe an HBO special or rent a VHS tape. But now right. you can go to YouTube or a streaming service, and not only can you see a wealth of comedy, you can also see comedians as they're working out their material because you can see a YouTube video of the same comedian, you know, at, at, at three different gigs in a, a four-month period, and you can right. kind of watch them working through their material. Do you think that changes the way that, that stand-up comedy is made or received? Well, sure. If you notice now, a lot of comedians do not allow cell phones in their audience because precisely for that reason, you need to to work the material out. You know, um, I remember uh, I was I was doing uh, the Tonight Show a few months ago, and I was doing some new material, and I spent the first two or three weeks in little clubs around Los Angeles before I did it on the Tonight Show. And then I read a comment that said, uh, Leno said this is new material. I heard him doing this two weeks ago. Well, yeah, it's, yeah, it's still, what, do you think I just made it up the minute I got to the Tonight Show set? Is that what you think? I mean, so it's, it, yeah, it gets a little silly. I mean, to me, I, I, I enjoyed being terrible when I started out. I enjoyed not knowing how bad I was. I got to go to a club and try stuff out. Oh, that didn't work, or that didn't work. And if I was terrible... Well, I don't think anybody remembered that I was there. Now, now it's like your high school permanent record. Everything you do is on your permanent record all the time. You know, if someone makes an inappropriate joke 15 years ago, aha, aha, you know, it's all that aha stuff now. So, yeah, it is. I think it's harder now for comedians, you know. Right now you can get on TV. It, it's probably harder to get famous now than it was years ago because years ago, if you were on Johnny Carson's show, Probably ninety percent of the people who were up late at night saw you. Now they could be watching a movie or Breaking Bad reruns or whatever it might might be. You know, so you probably have to do ten or fifteen Tonight Shows now to get the same exposure you got once years ago when Johnny was hosting. Maybe I'm not a typical uh, comedy consumer, but I actually find it really fascinating to watch somebody go through material, and I don't, I'm not put off by it. I think it's really cool to kind of see, you know, how the jokes change and how the pacing changes and how. Oh, I, I, well, I but, agree but do, with you. do you think do you think I, I, we're I weird that way? Do you think? I mean, is there any benefit to to that? No, I no, I enjoy. I listen to comedy the way other people listen to music. I like the way people weave words, you know. I mean, to me, I remember Bob New had one of, had one of my favorite jokes. It was like a great lyric. It, it was so subtle that it always, to this day, makes me laugh. Bob Newhart used to do a bit about uh, the first astronaut in space to make uh, intergalactic contact with beings from another planet. And, of course, he comes back to Earth, and, you know, the whole world wants to hear what he has to say, and he's at a press conference. And one of the reporters says to him, uh, how far ahead of us are these aliens? And Bob says, about 60. 
And it's the perfect number because six weeks is, is too far ahead for you to catch up, but it's close enough for you to see. You know what I mean? I mean, the idea that if someone's two days ahead of you now, that two weeks, but six weeks, it, 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 I always thought that was it's so brilliant because it just, how far ahead of you are there? About six weeks. No! You know, you could never catch up to somebody that's six weeks ahead of you. You could see them. But, you know, just, you know, you think he's going to say, oh, they're 500 years ahead of us or whatever it might be. But, no, they're just six weeks. And how frustrating is that? You know, and I always, I like that subtleness. You know, I like people who use words like a saber, just cut and, you know, and just clean cut and just get it and do the joke and get out, you know. And, uh, you know, Bob had so much material like that. He was such a good wordsmith, you know. I, I wonder also um, if uh, the, the Q&A sections, like the one that you'll do when you're here in St. Louis, um, how much those also might be more important maybe than they used to be, because that is one thing that, that will always be 100% fresh every time you do it, because you, you have oh, to just kind of wait and see what happens. That's, to me, is great, because now, now you're... Now you're just relying on your wits in the situation, you know, and it, it's fun to just come up with things on the spot. You know, that's I'm dyslexic, so writing and keeping copious notes and was not something I did well. So, to me, the idea of having to think on your feet, oh, is I, I I really enjoy that. I, I I like that. And then if I said something funny, I maybe I can incorporate it in the act, you know. So I I you, you've. Every time I've heard you speak, you you, you tend to uh, address these kinds of questions with a great deal of humility. But at some level, you are an entertainment icon, having done the Tonight Show uh, for as long as you did with the success that you did. Well, you're only as good as your last joke. You know, I'm a huge believer in low self-esteem. The only people with high self-esteem are actors and criminals. You know, and when you have low self-esteem, you don't automatically assume you're the smartest person in the room. You know, being dyslexic, my mother, who was in Scotland and never got past the second grade, would always say to me, you know, you're just going to have to work twice as hard as the other kids to get the same thing. And I thought, well, that's a fair payoff. You know, the nice thing about being dyslexic is dyslexic people tend to focus on something like a laser beam, sometimes at the expense of everything else, but they just focus on it. And I remember I would go to comedy clubs and, you know, you'd line up at 6 o'clock on a Sunday or a Saturday for the 11 o'clock spot. And I'd sit there for two or three hours, and inevitably people in the line in front of me would go, oh, this sucks, I, I'm not waiting there, I'm getting out. And I'd go, good, I move forward, you know, because I was just sort of focused on that. So the idea that, you know, if you start thinking like you're an icon, you, for example, I'm on The Tonight Show uh, next Thursday. I'm not going on as a guest. I'm not going to sit down and talk. I'm going to go out and do stand-up, tell jokes. Because that's what that's what you do, you know. You you can't pretend that you're interesting. But oh, I did this for 22 years, so I'm sure people just want to hear me talk. No, you can't do that. You've got to go out there as if you've never been on before, and you got to work the material in clubs and 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 try it, you know. And that's that's how you stay relevant. I'm wondering if we can wrap up with uh, the 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 work that you've done on stroke awareness, and apparently this has to do with uh, Rodney Dangerfield actually had a mini stroke uh, when during an interview with you. Yeah, what happened was I had Rodney on the show in 2001, I guess it was. And uh, I'm watching Rodney do it. Now, I, you know, I know Rodney's movement. You know how he does that? Hey, I tell you, I tell you, I tell you, I'm okay today, but last week. You know, he would always touch his tie. And, all. 
and I noticed his movements were just just off a bit. And I, you know, and while he was doing his act, I said to Debbie, our producer, I said, "Call the paramedics. Just call him. I think Roddy might be having a stroke or something." She said, "What?" I said, "No, I, I think he is." Just okay, I right, find so. So Rodney finished. He sits down with me, and we we do the panel stuff. And he he's sweating more than I've ever seen him sweat. But he's doing okay. You know, he's fine. So then he's in his dressing room, and the paramedics show up just about the time the show ends. And I go, Rodney, it's the paramedics. I want to take a look at you. What do you want? I'm fine. I'm like, Rodney, just talk to the paramedic. Well, it turns out he did have a mini stroke, and they took him to the hospital. And that kind of got me started. And the last time I saw Rodney, he had had a pretty massive one. And he was, I guess, in a coma, but he couldn't speak. And I went to the hospital, and his wife, Joan, said, I think Rodney can hear us, but he can't react. And she said to me, Jay, um, take your finger, put it in Rodney's hand. And she goes, Rodney, if you know Jay's here, squeeze his finger. So I felt this little bit of a squeeze on my finger, and I whispered to Rodney. I said, Rodney, that's not my finger. And he twitched. And it, <laughs> you know, it's a stupid joke. But Joan got all excited because he moved, and, it, and I said, "Oh, I got a laugh out of Rodney. He was in a he was in a coma, but he thought the line was funny, and he and he twitched it, you know. And it's just, I guess, it's one of those things only comics get. But but it just made me laugh and made me, you know. So I just and there's been so many, you know. We lost Kevin Meany. Uh, well, Luke Perry was not a comic, of course, but he was what, 52 years old, so. I just started working with on, on this campaign. There's no, I'm not selling medicine. I'm not selling anything. I'm just telling people to get their cholesterol checked. So, what is the one thing that you wish everyone would know uh, about strokes that they don't that would that could save their lives? Well, the thing is, you know, when you have something else, if you have, oh God, my stomach feels a little queasy. I must have eaten something. There's a warning. There's no warning with a stroke. You just don't know. You can be in the back. You know, I have a friend of mine who runs three miles every day. He had a stroke, and he called me up furious. He goes, you don't run. I run every day. Why come I had a stroke and you didn't? I go, I don't know. It's just the luck of the draw, you know, and that's really what it is. It's one of those silent deals, you know. You don't really know until it until it's too late. So the best way to deal with it is to get your cholesterol checked so you, you can find out, you know, they always say last, laughter is the best medicine. No, it's not. It's a terrible medicine. It doesn't work at all. It actually sucks as a medicine. You know, see a guy with a stroke, tell him a joke, see if he gets any better. He's not. Well, maybe Rodney Dangerfield got a little better, a tiny little yeah, bit. Well, maybe, maybe, him. right. Rodney did like the joke. Jay Leno, you've been very generous with your time, and I know that the people in St. Louis are very much looking forward to your presentation. Oh, I'm really anxious to be there. So I'll see you guys soon. Comedian and former Tonight Show host Jay Leno will be in St. Louis next Tuesday as part of the St. Louis Speaker Series. Well, you know you make me wanna kick my heels up and down. Shout, a hit single for the Isley Brothers in 1959. It would be followed by other hits including It's Your Thing, That Lady, Fight the Power, and many others. The Isley Brothers were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1992 and today were awarded a star on the St. Louis Walk of Fame on Del Mar near the pageant.
Ronald and Ernie Isley of the Isley Brothers, awarded with a star on the St. Louis Walk of Fame earlier today. The group has appeared on the Billboard charts for seven consecutive decades. Tomorrow on St. Louis on the Air, we'll talk with a group of Webster University professors who are working with organizations in Texas to provide health and legal services to migrant communities at the U.S.-Mexico border. We'll also celebrate Independent Bookstore Day with some reading recommendations from store owners and managers in St. Louis and in Rolla. Podcast episodes of St. Louis on the Air are available at stlpublicradio.org, or you can subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, the Google Podcast app, or wherever you get podcasts. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Thanks for listening. I'm Jonathan All.